Well, hey, everybody. Good morning. Great to see your lovely faces on this uh, dreary day. Good to be here today. My name is Ryan Snow. I'm one of the pastors here on staff and on our board, and um, just excited to be here. I want to welcome you if you're in person or online and are joining us for the first time. We're so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, Last week, we opened up our year with a message about seeds, that a lot of times in our lives, we want the trees other people have, but instead of a tree, God gives us a handful of seeds. And really, just thinking about this year, a lot of times we think about you know, what we're supposed to do in this year and what God's saying to us or what we want. But God says, if you're faithful with the seeds that I give you, I won't just give you a tree, I'll give you a forest. And I think sometimes that our aims are too low. I think sometimes our understanding is too small. Sometimes our faith is too weak. And God's just like, dude, if you'll just trust me a little bit, watch what I do with these seeds. You want a tree. Anyone can get a tree, he says. But he says, only I can do a forest. And so whatever, wherever you are in your life for what you're going through, I just want you to know I'm excited that I believe God has exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And I want to invite you this coming Saturday. I believe a huge part of our seeds to trees to forest is um, what God's calling us into as a church, our disciple-making efforts. Um, it's not a program. It's not a conversation that we're going to talk around a lot and then it's going to lose steam. It is the program. Making disciples is the great commission, but in the church it's been the great omission. And what we want to do, we, like Lucas said, we just want to be a place that hears from heaven. And Jesus told us to make disciples. We don't have to question it. We don't have to pray about it. He said to do it. Now, we've been praying a lot about how to do it. What's the best expression of that, Jesus? What's the one that brings you most glory? Where are you leading us? How do you want to do it? What are you saying? That's where, where we're going with it. But I just really encourage you, if you are currently leading a small group, or you co-lead one, you want to lead one, or you're just like, Jesus, I want to go for it. I want to be part of this. Like, I want in, whatever it is. It's like the Flash, uh, like on the Justice League movie, when like Bruce Wayne goes to like recruit him, everyone else turned him down, and the Flash realizes he's Batman, he's like, I don't care, whatever it is, I'm in. Like, I just, he's just like, I just don't have any friends, I don't have a family, and I'm in. If that's you, great. We would love to see you, because what, what, what's going to happen there, and what we're going to be doing, that's going to be the launching off point to where God is moving in this church most directly over the next 5, 10, 20 years, without question. So if you think I'm overstating, then you don't know me very well like on discipleship. I mean, I believe that God is going to do some major things in this church that are going to be catalytic for not just this place in this time, but, <clears throat> and it's getting traction. I mean, people in the Vineyard National are reaching out. People in the Vineyard Regional, people are asking in other places, like the, like the things God's been cooking up, it's exciting. So I really encourage you to come, even if you're like just ticked off or you're put off, or you don't know like what it is, or you're like, I'm tired of hearing you talk about it, I should encourage you to give it a chance and come. Fill up the room, fill up the sign-ups, just come. I don't want to beg normally, but I'm not really begging, I'm just saying, is your pastor, or one of your pastors, just trust. 
and watch what Jesus does with all of us. So enough about that. Because this week, you're gonna see how this week please, plays into that. That's not just an infomercial. So we have a lot of people here that wear a lot of hats. Um, and we've got a content team, a group of awesome people that I get to hang out with every six or eight weeks and just stuff that we're praying about in message series. They're really smart and creative and pray a lot. And so just some ideas that have been cooking, like in my heart, have um, those people are just putting great kind of creativity, thoughtfulness, linear, you know, my head that kind of goes like a Scooby-Doo ending to help keep on focus. And so we met this past week and we've been meeting and something that's been on my heart a lot for the last several months is just praying about, Lord, what do you want to talk about? Me or other communicators up here. And I started hearing the Gospel of Mark which for me is interesting. Um, I have spent loads of time in my life either teaching, learning, studying, whatever, about Matthew, Luke, and John. I've taken courses on them. I've taught on them, done series on them, never on the book of Mark. And so I'm like, okay, this must be you because it's not something I've really wanted to. Like there's been, I don't know, I don't have an aversion to the book of Mark. I've just never spent a lot of time there. And just started praying about when to do it and, I, and how to do it and got with the team and a friend of mine who's going to be sharing here in a few weeks, Tom Thatcher, and we've just been talking and kicking this around about what it's about. And really, we're in a season of disciple shift where we've been making this transition from, like as a church, to more of a Sunday-based place, like come, come here, we'll give you the food, you go out to a place. We want to be a disciple-making culture where everyone gets to play. We want everyone to do the stuff. Not everyone, it doesn't mean that you're going to be preaching or leading worship, but it doesn't mean that you won't be if that's your calling. But we want everyone to be equipped and deputized to do what Jesus did. Amen. And the Gospel of Mark is all about that. Gospel of Mark really majors in that. And so we're going to be spending the next 16 weeks in the Gospel of Mark. That might sound atrocious or crazy long. We were at a church one time that did the whole book of Isaiah. You want to talk about, like, call off the dogs? That's 66 chapters. Uh. So we're going to go through the book of Mark, but it's not going to be line by line. We're not going to break down all the Greek grammar about every passage and portion. But we are going to take 16 passages through Mark, and we're going to do a deep dive on what it means to hear from God, to obey what we've heard, and to share that with others. In Mark launches out just talking about it. That's what the whole book's about. So we're going to be doing a, a walkthrough. And interestingly enough, from now up until Easter, if you include Good Friday, it's 16 weeks. So we're going to take it up to there, and then we're going to end. But interesting, Mark is the one gospel that doesn't have a resurrection story ending. So we'll, we'll cover more of that. Mark is about immediacy of action. It's all about stories. There's actually a book, a kind of a theological reference book that is called Mark as Story. So Mark, um, it talks, it, it, it's really, Mark is all about how the Son of God breaks into our stories and the intersection of his presence can change everything. If you summed up the gospel of Mark in three words, it'd be as my friend Tom at our content team meeting said the other night, things can change. Everywhere Jesus went, change was sparked. Every life, every household, every road, every 
town. Mark is like super itinerant. It kind of feels like a tornado of Jesus going to all these places. It's not super linear. Mark is probably the first gospel told and the last one written. Um, and as, <clears throat> as this uh, guy, uh, uh, last name, his name Robertson says, the gospel of Mark pictures Christ in action. There's a minimum of discourse and a maximum of deed. The gospel of Mark really is the graphic novel of the New Testament. Do we got that? Yeah, it's kind of the graphic novel. Like if you ever pick one of those up, it's kind of this comic book of a thing where Jesus is presented doing things other people couldn't do, but releasing other people to do now what he was doing. So the gospel of Mark is different. It flies very fast. It's kind of like, like this, and it's not super linear. It's a um, swift moving, so much at times it can take our breath away. So much of Mark talks about in immediately, or suddenly, or all at once, or right now. Um, and like I said, it's, it, the gospel of Mark, and I'm just giving you a little bit of backstory, is more than likely a retelling of some of Peter the disciples' sermons. Where Mark was, we'll, we'll get more into Mark, some of the background next week, but Mark, like I said, was probably the first gospel told, the last one written. And so there's a span of about 40 to 60 years, most people think, of where Mark is kind of being developed. Not like the story of Jesus was developed, but just the circulation of that story throughout the Roman Empire. Like I said, big on action. Um, early tradition, like I said, links Mark and Peter. And Mark, I've got an 11-year-old daughter who has a cell phone. She doesn't have full cell phone service yet, but she has that like Wi-Fi, so when she's at home, that you know, she can text her friends or grandma or us if we're go to the grocery store or something. And like Sophia has not um, everything she texts has like it's like emoji city and and caps and exclamation marks and question marks and it's like that's kind of like the gospel of Mark. It's the highlights. It's the emojis. And it it it, it it's a different gospel when you start breaking it down. Um, famous kind of theologian writer N. T. Wright thinker says this. He says, Mark writes with a zip and a punch of a quick and hasty punch of a story that grabs you by the collar and makes you face the truth about Jesus, God, and yourself. Um, and the thing I love about Mark is things can change. Things can change. And the thing about Jesus, if we invite Jesus into our story, he changes the story. He actually intersects it with his, and he becomes the star of it. <clears throat> so matter, so if you're a loser or you feel like a letdown, well, once your story is merged with his, it doesn't matter anymore because he's the star. And he starts doing things no one else can do. So wherever we are in our story, if we've been a victor or a victim, that that story gets integrated into the bigger fabric of his kingdom, and he just takes it and he magnifies it, or he pours stuff on those seeds, or he takes that dead tree and he breathes life into it, and he, he, he makes the forest that we're all meant for and long for. And like I said, there, um, <clears throat> do we believe that when we obey, that circumstances, atmospheres, and opportunities in our lives can change? So we've entitled this series called Things Can Change. Do we believe it? 
Do you believe that God, no matter on your worst day, your worst time, your biggest struggle, your biggest doubt, your biggest obstacle, do you believe things can change? Or maybe you hope. Sometimes doubt is just a fiber optic, just little uh, kind of measure away from hope. If you take that hope and you look at the, take that doubt and look at it the other way, that's where hope can be born. So maybe you've been a doubter. Maybe you've been in the dumpster. But at the basis of the gospel, especially the gospel of Mark, is that things can change. And you've heard me say before that if you're not open to change as a person, if I'm not open to change, the kingdom's probably not for us. And that might sound harsh. That might sound really harsh, but if you're not a person who's open to change, the kingdom's not for you. End of story. I can make that really easy. Here's why. Because Jesus says in Revelation chapter 22, he says, behold, I make all things new. Implicit in that is he's changing everything. Everything that his goodness touches, remember in Isaiah we talked about Christmas, the increase of his governments, there be no end of the governance of Jesus Christ. So every nation, every life, every family, every choice, everything that yields to Jesus, he's like, I got this. I don't need to make bad people good, or I don't need to make broke things work. I make dead people live, and I make things new. So that's why change is so imperative that we're people who can believe it, that we're people who receive it. We'll, We'll be people who will tell about it. And the good news is that things can change because the world is a dumpster fire, isn't it? It's not getting any better last time I checked. Not just that things can change. I mean, we would, I think most of us would agree, things need to change. Come on, Ryan. Things need to change. And the hope is, and I love, as one of the founders of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber says, hope is our superpower as born-again people. Hope's our superpower. So the belief that things can change can change everything for us, for our marriages, for our families, for our friends, for our addictions, for our finances. It can change. And I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel, but man, we gotta have some hope that there's gotta be something better than some of the things we've, we've wrestled with. Or maybe you're sitting here like, <clears throat> bring it on because my life's been changed. And I can't stop telling people about it. Well, this will be the shot in the arm that you need then to keep going forward. That's, that's what this is all about. <clears throat> if you'll turn with me. Sorry, I got a little frog in my throat this morning. Um, that's what happens sometimes when you cry when you're like worshiping. And I was like, <clears throat> I just got teary-eyed and it's kind of make me a little snotty. So Jesus, change that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Mark chapter one, verses one through three, if you'll turn with me in your Bible. And we'll get that on the screen. It says, In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as is written Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I'll send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist, sorry, I said Mark 1, 1 through 3, but I meant through 4. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So it says, In the beginning of the gospel, Jesus, the Son of God. The Son of God is a key theme in Mark. It's a, it's a very key theme. It says the gospel of Jesus, the Son of God, 
and it talks about that Jesus was, was not, that this book's not just about some other prophet, not just about some other rabbi, not just about some other governmental figure. This is about the Son of God. So it's a very key theme, and the Son of God had two meanings to the Jewish audience. First meaning was, he was Hamashiach. Say Hamashiach. Hamashiach means the Messiah. Ha is Hebrew for the, Mashiach or Mashiach or Messiah is Messiah, Savior. So to have that, that he would save them from their current peril. They were oppressed, they were under oppressive rule, they had been enslaved most of their existence. We talked about this. Hamashiach, that the Son of God would be a Savior, but he would also be the Lord. He'd also be the king of the new government. He'd be the king of the new world order. I think in America, we have a real um, disparity of our preaching a lot of times. We'll talk about Jesus as Savior, but very rarely do we talk about him as Lord. We have a very disobedient church in this culture. Not necessarily speaking to this church, but I'm also speaking to this church. I'm speaking to this guy. I, I can be a very disobedient guy that doesn't take the lordship of Jesus seriously. And John and Peter talk about Jesus through the book of Mark. There's an immediacy, not just because he was the savior, but because he was the king, right? Like the king usually has certain privilege and capacity that other people don't. It's like when your boss walks in the room, you're like, you, you know, get a little bit more of that. And even if you're talking about I'm bad at the water cooler, it's like, hey, how you doing, sir? I want to raise. Like, what do you need? Um, and that's kind of what the king of, that the kingship of Jesus, the lordship, should do to us. Behold, I'll send a messenger who'll prepare. And John was one who preached a baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. In it goes on to say that one more powerful than John the Baptist is coming. John was the greatest prophet there was since Moses. They recognize this. And it was kind of saying that Jesus coming after that, Jesus saying like, hey, one that supersedes Abraham, one that supersedes Moses, one that supersedes David, now one that supersedes John, the first prophet in 400 years. So John had a special place because they hadn't had an oracle in a long time. So John was in the mold of the prophet Isaiah, but it's saying like the son of God will be greater than him. Is the son of God greater than other things in your life? Because the gospel expectation to the people of God <clears throat> is that the king is greater than what we currently have going on in our lives. Like when the king shows up, not only that things can change, that things have to. Things have to. And it's interesting, um, this, this is a, it's an invitation and a challenge. In the Gospel of Mark, we see an invitation and challenge. An invitation for the Savior to bring us up, a challenge to obey the King. The Savior invites us to hear what he's saying, but the King challenges us, requires us to respond to what he said. And John the Baptist comes making level paths. The whole reason we have preaching, we have teaching, we have 
Discipleship is like, as we have people who go before us to hopefully make level paths for us to be able to receive the kingdom. The whole reason I'll get up here on Sundays is because there's things God wants to say to his church. And hopefully, in a loving but prophetic sense, me or, you know, Kate or whoever, Lucas, whatever, we can say things that help make level paths for us to be able to receive the gospel in a less bumpy fashion. That's why we preach. That's why we teach. And so it's all about when John says to repent in forgiveness. Repent is about, you cannot very easily repent while moving. You have to slow down. Repentance is about a 180, it's about a change, or it's about a shift. And everyone knows, even if you're going really slow, sometimes you gotta go a little slower if you wanna turn. Especially if you gotta do like a total Yui, right? You're not gonna be going down the highway at 80 miles an hour and think, I missed my exit, I'm gonna turn up here, hope the police doesn't see me like in the U line. Even though you're gonna go a little fast, you're not gonna be going the 80 because you'll die or take your, you know, other people out. So it requires us to slow down. It requires us to slow down. Mark, and, and so the book of Mark is all about learning to slow down so we can speed up. It's about pausing to go. And in our lives, um, we're gonna learn a lot about how this impact of things changing can have on our lives if we learn how to get in sync and speed with Jesus. Mark 1, 14 through 19, this is the most pivotal passage in the book of Mark. If you wanna look at kind of Mark's um, uh, thesis, this is the baseline right here. The rest of the book follows this. The first 13 chapters follow this. The next, uh, the next 15 plus chapters follow this. So the first 13 verses, the next 15 plus chapters. After John was put in prison, so it's very little about John because the people had wonder if John was the coming one. Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. He said, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus was echoing what John said. Jesus was echoing. Believe the good news. Repent and believe. Interesting thing there about uh, repent and believe. Uh, believe was not just a word to give a visceral assent to. Like a lot of us say, I believe Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player, or I believe LeBron James is, or I believe Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback, or I believe, you know, we can believe a lot of things, but it doesn't change us. Like the Greek word for belief is not just a mental assent. It's not just a visceral whatever. It's a, actually that you think and do, which has to do with Lord and Savior. A lot of times these things operate, like I said about like, like Hebrew words, there's kind of two sides of the door. And on their thinking, it wasn't just about that. Like in America, we compartmentalize. Like I love ice cream or I believe this. It's like, but then we can kind of file it away. And, you know, their, their language encumbered so much more than that. So their society. They were a society that thought and did. And it says, Jesus says, repent, believe the good news. The really interesting part there is it says, when Jesus says, the time has come. The time there, and you've heard me talk about this before maybe, there's two words in the Greek for time. 
or two of the words. There's some other ones, but the two most common are the words chronos, which is where we get straight line chronological time. Like, Brad, I'll talk to you Tuesday morning at 8.30. I know at that time, I'll call Brad and we'll hang out or have a coffee or talk on the phone or Zoom, like at that time. But there's also another time called Kairos. Say Kairos with me. Kairos is when Jesus says, behold, the time has come. He's not saying, hey, at 4.30 in the morning, the kingdom's here. He's not saying Kronos. He's saying Kairos. Kairos is an interesting word. It's kind of, it it means shift, change, kind of time inside of time. Um, Someone said in our content team meeting, it's kind of like when the rocket ship is is, is like descending into the earth's back in the atmosphere, like the times come. Not that the earth had to, not the rocket had to come at 8 p.m. or else it was gonna be destroyed. But if everything isn't right when that thing is re-entering, it's over. It's kind of like Christmas time, summertime, March Madness time. It doesn't mean a defined minute as much as like an era or an event or a, you know, something that was coming up from the ground. It wasn't, Kairos, if you think of a, of a straight line time, Kairos is kind of all the moments, time inside of time, that really define our time. And Kairos, we're going to talk a lot about this, so I'm not going to go nuts on it today like I could, because I think it's maybe the, the understanding of this is possibly the single most fundamental, important ingredient in a disciple-making life is understanding Kairos moments. Because Kairos moments are really about where the king enters in to offer either salvation or jurisdiction or correction or welcome It's about when he enters into our time and as we start to sync our straight line up with the bigger picture of heaven, the more we can hear what he's saying in Kairos time, the more effective we're gonna be in real time. If that makes sense. So Kairos is all about learning to hear God's voice. And everything, the big stuff, little stuff, in between stuff, what is God trying to say to you in your moments? When you're in traffic and it's going really slow and you're gonna be really late, like what's God saying to you? When you wanna give someone, you know, like that one finger salute, what's God saying? Or when you're really anxious, what's God saying? When you're really, um, when you're stressed or when you're really joyous or you're maybe on the mountaintop, what's God trying to say to you at that time, at that moment? So in your Kronos and in your Kairos, What's the Spirit saying to your life? And that's the hallmark of a disciple because if we want to teach people how to hear God, it can't just be at four o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock at night. It's got to be all the space in the days that we have are we learning how to hear Jesus' voice. And he says, behold, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. If we can bring up that, if we can bring up my screen, We got that? So if you think about Kairos, we're talking about that straight line time. Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. We could distill this, and there's more things and little lines off there that we can fill in later on. But really, it's about repent means here. 
It means shift. It means change. It means 180. It can be a 180, or it can be a little shift, a little turn. It can be a 90. It can be a 70. You know, it can be all these different things. Where is Jesus in your story saying repent? A lot of times it's a dirty word. A lot of times it's a dirty word. Like we hear, oh, repentance. We think we're going to get some, you know, hellfire and brimstone. But Jesus says it's really, it's a, if, if you're not willing to change, my kingdom's not for you. But he also says if you won't change. So it leaves a thing of will or possibility to if we won't, if we don't repent, there's no way to enter his kingdom. He says repent and believe. And it just really can be here. Remember he says the wise builder hears these words of mine. Repent and do, that we do what he's telling us. So it's not enough just to hear. It's not enough just to believe in Santa or to believe in Jesus. It's enough, too, that we do, that we act upon what he's saying. So kairos is that, that straight lines our life. What's the little moments where God's trying to get our attention? And the thing is, once we get more familiar with this, and that's what we're going to learn in our house groups and our discipleship groups and our whole platform. You're going to actually learn how to hear God better. I promise you, you will learn how to hear God better. Discipleship is the process of becoming like Jesus. And Jesus, we saw, heard from God like no one else. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Or I only say what I hear the Father saying. So Jesus was always connecting his time with heaven's time. And that's why he was the most effective man that ever lived. That's why. Because Jesus lived in that sacred space of both in. He was both heavenly minded and earthly good. That's why he could minister like no one else. That's why he could pray like no one else. That's why he was the best bartender. He was the best doctor. I mean, Jesus could do everything better than everyone because I think he was always tapping into heaven. He was always tapping into heaven. And do you know you and I can do the same thing? Do you know you and I, he said, you'll do the same but greater if you'll just believe. If we would believe maybe some of the stuff in our lives, not only believe about what our lives can be, but if we believe about what he can do and what he's like and what he wants to do, that would be a game changer for us and a lot of people. So it's about hearing and doing. In a Kairos moment, it's really an opportunity. Like when you hear the word, repent. Sometimes we feel like it's bad, like, oh, I'm being bad. No, it's just mean like, hey, you're getting off course a little bit here. Or you ever just get stuck in your head and you don't know what to do? A kairos can be like, hey, here's what I want you to do. It doesn't mean we're always doing something bad. It just means a change. It means we change or he wants to change the atmosphere. Sometimes you can be in the right and we need to repent in the sense of like, Lord, Everyone else around me is going back crap crazy and I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, just want you stop and hear what I have to say and I'll tell you what to do that'll change this atmosphere. I'll tell you what, what to do, how to diffuse that situation. I'll tell you what to do, how to bless when you're cursed. I'll tell you what to do when you doubt. I'll tell you what to do when it's falling apart and the bottom's not there anymore. I'll tell you how to walk on the water, how to soar on the air. I will tell you what to do if you'll just let me engage you each step of your chronos. I'll give you all the kairos you need to be a disciple who makes disciples. And that's what this is about. 
It's an opportunity for change. And Kairos really summarizes Jesus' entire message in one sentence. And it's really the baseline of vineyard theology is that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's that now and not yet where Jesus and Kairos, Kronos is on earth, Kairos is in heaven, where Jesus does that now and not yet thing we've talked about. Like we have the kingdom now, but we don't have it fully yet. Well, each time we let him embrace us and meet us in our, in our place, on our timeline, he starts bringing heaven to earth more and more through us, to us and through us. And when we're gonna see in the gospel of Mark a lot, when the disciples heard and they obeyed. See, a lot of people hear, right? There's a lot of people who hear the message. When you look at the parable of the seeds, Everyone heard or received the message on some level, but only the ones whose lives produced fruit were called disciples. So a lot of people will hear, but only those who obey. That's why you have to come as children, because children will obey. There's going to be this thing where we just say, Jesus, I believe that you're not just Savior, but you're Lord, and I'm going to obey you whether I want to or not. I'm going to clean my room a little better, even though I don't want to. Or I'm going to do this even though I think it's goofy. Here's a great quote about Kairos um, by a guy named Dutch Sheets. Dutch Sheets says this. That's, there we go. Um, as, we as we persevere through difficult times, Kronos, if we aren't careful, a mindset can evolve that says life will always be this way. We might begin to believe that the Kairos time is never coming. If we're not careful, we lose our expectation and our faith begins to waver. We've prayed so long, plowed so long, believed so long, and held on for so long, we begin to live with a so long mentality. Disillusionment then sets in and our faith is gone. God wants to shift our mentality from becoming discouraged during these times to realizing the necessity of Kronos seasons. We're not losing or wasting time, we're investing it. And if we do so faithfully, the shift will come. See, sometimes like the kairos is just hang on. Sometimes the kairos is keep doing the same thing. And if you're faithful in this little thing, I'll give you more. Sometimes it's, I'm gonna read my Bible again today and I'm gonna journal again today or I'm gonna pray again today. I'm not hearing, but I believe you are who you say you are. And so sometimes before we we work that thing out, it has to be worked into us. Like faith is often, it's just working out what God's already working in, right? And he says, and if we do so faithfully, the shift will come, knowing that we're cooperating with God and giving him what he needs in order to bring the new. We can rejoice over rather than despise small beginnings. Instead of despising the seeds we have, we can believe not just for a tree, but a forest. We won't despair about praying for years with little apparent fruit. Our faith will be based only on the truth of God's word, unmoved by adversity or delays. That's what Kairos says. That in all of our time, we're hanging on that there's a bigger story of time than just this little blip that we occupy. And so we're gonna talk about this a lot. 
Today, that was kind of a deep dive, a deep dive into a few verses. But we would love to hear in this series, would love, send emails, send Instagram posts, Facebook, you know, on our Faith Street app that we have, on our website, whatever. Let us know how God's speaking to you and how you're responding to it. Because the things that we hear are great and we want to hear from God. So if, you're, if you feel like God's telling you stuff, let's hear it. And what, what we're going to learn as disciples is how to do something with what he showed us. The difference between discipleship that's exponential and discipleship that's singular is people that obeyed. People that obeyed. A group of people that obey and take risks and say, Jesus, I believe you got more than I can see. That's all it is. That's, that's the difference. And so each week, we're going we're gonna to encourage people, share your stories. Share your stories. We want to hear them. We want to encourage each other. Because the good news is not that, that just like people can stand up on stage and say God's good, but that people in the trenches say, listen, you know, I got a flat tire today and someone came by and just had a free tire or I had a busted whatever, I had a busted elbow and someone prayed for it and it's better or I was in this mess at work, I was an idiot and God arrested me in my spirit where I was and he spoke calm to me and I still got my job. Or maybe someone else was being an idiot and I didn't know what to do and Jesus told me how to defuse that situation. So, a couple things. Encourage you to share those stories with us. Secondly, Gospel of Mark, 16 chapters, 16 weeks. I want to ask you to read the Gospel of Mark this week. Look, chapter one. Okay? Read chapter one. You can dive into chapter two because we're going to talk about chapter two next week. So if you want to read Mark one and two this week, you get you more current. Read two chapters of the Bible. Listen to two chapters of the Bible. That's it. And you'll be a couple steps ahead. And then just say, when you read it, say, Jesus, what are you saying to me? What do you mean to do about it? So read Marks 1 and 2 by next week. Post your kairoses. And so my, uh, my good friend Millen, if he's in his house, is going to come forward. And as he does, I just want to tell you a little story. So I've been... I woke up this morning like at three o'clock and I was just, uh, God really, there was something I've been processing a lot and it's been really challenging for me. And for some reason when I woke up, it was the first thing I thought about and there was just this little thing God showed me. It was like a little visage through the keyhole. He gave me this little kairos that's gonna be fleshed out but it was a game changer for me realizing why did I have all this consternation and frustration in this very important relationship to me. As I just laid there in bed, I just began praying, and God just showed me this little thing. And it didn't, it didn't necessarily change anything then, but I believe it started changing something in me. I believe I was able to see a situation more clearly. I was able to write a long note to someone that I love dearly and just initiate a conversation that's long overdue. So it's been coming for a long time, but inside of time, God wanted to do something in my heart. And so that's, that's what Kairos is. And so as Millen comes up, I want to tell you something too, last thing, and Millen's got the floor. And worship people, if you want to come up as well, whoever's coming up. And prayer teams, we're going to pray in a little bit. Millen's going to give you directive. I want to repent for a couple times that we haven't made a big enough deal about prayer on Sundays. Or sometimes we rush up to the edge, or sometimes we just end on a more light note. 
we always want to make space for the ministry of the Holy Spirit here at the church. And so I just want to tell you, I, I kind of had a kairos about that last week that I, there's times where I don't make enough space for that, and that's my fault. So we're going we're gonna to do more of that, and Millen's going to walk us through that today. So bring it on up. Let's hear from Millen. All right. Thanks, Ryan. What's up, family? Haven't seen y'all in a while. It's good to see some of you today, all of you. Why did I say some? All of you. Y'all are great. So, uh, you know, Ryan, he, he said, I think it was last week, he said, prayer is our main move. Can I get an amen on that? Like, prayer is our main move, right? So that's what we're going to do. Uh, it's funny, I'm a guy that likes to script things out and be real polished, uh, but I felt like God's like, no, nah, dude, you're not going to do that. You're just going to get up here and be led by me, so we're going to do that today. So what I want us to do is I want us to stand up, please. And I'm going to ask the prayer teams to kind of spread across the room. Um, even if you're not like officially on the prayer team, if you're someone who wants to pray, just kind of spread across the room today. We're going to do it a little differently. Uh, the worship team's not coming up today. We're not going to dim the lights. We're not going to like set the mood. Uh, we want this to be really authentic. Um, and I like the worship team coming up, but we just kind of felt like today we want to keep it really raw and authentic. Um, you know, as I was praying for our time today, like as we were developing this series and talking to Ryan, I really felt a strong sense from the Spirit that today's going to be a Kairos moment for, for you all. This, this could be a game changer for you all. Uh, I know if you're like me, like maybe you have kids or, you know, you want to go to, you know, Denny's or your favorite restaurant after church, you like kind of hustle out of here into the parking lot. But man, I'm saying, I feel like today, what I really felt strongly was God wants everybody in the sanctuary today to get prayed for. And that might take a while, right? But I feel like it's worth the investment of time. So I'm hoping that you come up. I'm hoping that you get prayer uh, before you leave today. And so what we're going to do, we're just going to hold out our hands, okay, and just invite the Holy Spirit to come for a little bit. The Holy Spirit's here, I promise. But when I say Holy Spirit come, we just want to increase his presence and, and make us known, uh, make, make it known to us of his presence. So just, just kind of close your eyes and hold out your hands. And before I pray too, I forgot, you know, like an analogy God gave me here is some of us have been doing it like with our own strength for a long time. And I'm preaching to myself right now. Like I felt like God's been convicting me of that. And I felt like sometimes God gives me really funny visuals, so I'll just share it. I kind of felt like he gave me a picture that we're all like, we all have toasters here and we're all trying to make toast, but nothing's happening. And it's because the toaster is not plugged in. And so I felt like the Lord was giving me that image for myself. He's like, Millen, man, you're like breathing on that toast. You're rubbing your hands together, trying to get it crispy. Nothing's happening. You're doing it on your own power with your own strength. And I felt like He's like, plug that toaster in. Lean on me. I could do this for you pretty easy. And so I kind of felt like he gave me that image for many of us today. Maybe you're like me. Maybe your toaster is not plugged in. Maybe you've been leaning on your own strength. Maybe you haven't been pressing into God. You've been just trying to hustle by yourself, and you're getting weary. You're getting burdened. The anxiety is increasing. The stress is increasing. And I'm telling you, I feel like God is here today to give us a Kairos moment. So let's hold out our hands, let's close our eyes, and let's just pray and give it a few minutes, okay? Holy Spirit, would you come, God? Come, Lord.
You know, the Lord speaks to us in a lot of different ways as we just be still right now. He could speak to us through our own thoughts. You might have some thoughts come up right now. You might have some physical sensations. Your hands might be tingling. They might be warm. You might feel a weight on your body. He could speak to us a number of different ways. But if, if that's happening to you, I really believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. He's touching you. And so we just pray an increase of that, God. Just more. And, you know, there's, there's others of you. I, I felt this really profoundly. I felt like, man, I just can't hear from God. That's for those other people. They hear from God, not me. Nothing could be farther from the truth, my friends. That is a lie from hell. God loves us. He speaks to us. He wants, he wants that conversation with us. He wants that relationship with us. If you feel like you can't hear from God, if that's what you feel like today, man, you don't have to wait. You can come up and get prayer from somebody right now. We want to pray over you. I feel like God wants to loose giftings tonight as well, or not tonight, this morning. I feel like he wants to empower us, meet us where we are. And maybe you're in a good season, you know? Like, maybe you're like, man, my health is good. There's not a lot of drama. I feel good. Well, praise God for that. But you know what? There's not one of us that's arrived. <laughs> We're all a work in progress, and we could all inch a little bit closer to Jesus. So even if that's you, I'm, I'm urging you to get some prayer. Just more of you, Lord, come. Here's what I want you to do, y'all. I want some of you to be brave, okay? I want you to start coming up to these fine folks on the prayer team. Just start to come up. If, you, if you're feeling something, if you're feeling a stirring, you're like, I don't know what's going on, but I want to get prayer. Just start coming up. They're spread across the room. They're here to pray for you. Or if you're like, you know what? I want to make this year a little different. I want to step it up. I want to press into God. I want to experience all he has for me. Just, just come up. Let's just pray. It doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer. It could be a quick one. There you go. Praise the Lord. Just keep coming. Okay, this isn't a show or anything. We just want, we just want God to do his thing here. Um, Autumn just kind of gave me this. And so, like, if anyone's experiencing any knee pain, like, in particular with your left knee, come on up and get prayer. Sometimes it could be real specific like that because he loves us. Just come, Lord. In particular, if, if there's people in here just like experiencing a lot of anxiety, um, I would love to pray with you uh, for that in particular because that's something I've struggled with as well. Just give it a few minutes. And folks, I'm not going to hold you hostage here today, right? Like if you want, if you want to head out, you can. But um, if you want to stay and, and get some prayer, we encourage you to do that. So we're not going to have like a fancy ending with awesome music or anything. We're just going to leave it real raw and authentic. So again, I'd urge you to get prayer before you head out today, okay? That's what we're going to do for the rest of our time, all right? God bless you all.